I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live on this Friday. I'm Randy Robison, and you know, on uh, February 15th of 2021, Pastor James Coates was arrested. Uh, why? Well, his church in Edmonton, Alberta, Grace Life, opened their doors for church. That was his crime. He spent time in jail, uh, and now he's written about it, uh, and we're going to talk to him today. We're going to talk about his experiences then, since then, as well as greater issues related to civil disobedience, what we call it. Uh, and he talks about that in, in a new book called God versus Government, uh, a book that he co-wrote with uh, Nathan, Nathan Bucinich from uh, John MacArthur's church. And he talks about his experiences, uh, their experiences out in California as well. So uh, great program here today. We invite you to be a part of the conversation. If you're watching live, chat is open and a good time to hit share follow like subscribe those things but uh, share would be a good one right now you know some people that are interested in this topic because one of those things that moved from theory to reality real fast uh during covid and is going to remain an issue so pastor james coates great to have you on life today live yeah, Randy, thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. So let's jump back uh, to the time that led up to your uh, your jail time, something I'm sure you never anticipated happening. It's funny because we talk about it, you know, well, you know, the Bible warns us, so you know, we'll face persecution, you know, all this kind of stuff. But it rarely has happened in, in our lifetimes, you know, in the U.S. or Canada. Um, what what happened and what, were you, what was sort of your experience that led to you Spending time in jail. Well, when we, like everybody else, when the pandemic first began, we opted to comply with the governing authorities and uh, did that, recognizing the tension between Romans 13 and Hebrews 10 as far as not forsaking the gathering of the saints. And by the June, by June of 2020, in the end of what was called the first declared public health emergency, we were ready to open our doors. And so we did, and things were moving along just fine. We just made it open so that our people could decide whether they would attend or not. And by November of 2020, the second declared public health emergency took place. And at that point, we began to get uh, complaints from the community around us. And, and that brought AHS, which is our, our health governing body, to our services. And over time, they began to bring the RCMP, excuse me, the RCMP with them to our services. And so we had the police and uh, AHS in our services as they were beginning, where I could even address them during the announcement time and use that opportunity to uh, share the gospel with them. We even honored law enforcement with standing ovations. Uh, and so we, 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 we handled it like that. And then over time, things began to escalate. AHS took us to court, ordered us to comply with their uh, health orders. Uh, we defied that order from the court. So we could have been held in contempt of court. That was January, 2021. And that could have come with up to two years of imprisonment had we been taken back to court and held in contempt. And as we continued to take the stand that we did uh, over time, it wasn't AHS driving the investigation. The RCMP took over. I was arrested on Sunday, February 7th. That was the first time. It was an arrest and release. At that point, I was given an undertaking it required that I comply with the Public Health Act, which would have meant bringing our services into compliance and limiting 
capacity and requiring social distancing and and masking and everything else. And I told the officers that I couldn't do that. So they indicated refused to sign, but also said that um, that I would be that this was a binding document. And so they would be back next Sunday, which meant they knew we would be too. So on the 14th of February, I preached a sermon called Directing Government to Its Duty. And that sermon ended up going viral, probably in some part due to my imprisonment. And it was as a result of that uh, that 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 service that I was then I had to turn myself in on on the 16th of February. I was brought before a justice of the peace, and he ordered my release, but he gave me a condition. It's the same old condition. I had to comply with the Public Health Act, which would mean either not attending my services while my church continued to meet, or it would mean forcing my church to comply, or it would mean blowing through my bail condition and opening up a huge can of worms legally. So I just indicated I couldn't agree to the terms of the release. And, and so I refused to sign that condition. And at that point in time, I was taken to a maximum security prison and was there for 35 days. Now, I could have walked. I mean, all I had to do was say the word, I'm ready to sign my condition. And I could have walked, but I refused to do that because in my estimation, doing that would be surrendering the headship of Christ of his church over to the government. The government. I couldn't do that for integrity's sake. Couldn't do that for... Uh, conscience sake. And so I was in prison trying to get them to release, uh, to, to, to change the terms of my release so I could I could leave prison without any infringement on my ability to perform my pastoral duties. And that ultimately came about uh, on the 35th day when uh, I could leave prison uh, without any any restrictions on my ability to shepherd the flock. And so I did we had one service. It was a Resurrection Sunday service, and they locked us out on Wednesday. They they seized our building at the crack of dawn on April 7th, 2021, uh, locked our doors, changed our locks, put up three layers of fencing around our building. Jeez. And at that point in time, we became the Underground Church of Canada. <laughs> okay. Uh, American question. RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Yes. That's, that's correct. That's which is basically the, the cops, right? Um, yeah. What? Good grief! Uh, did you get your church back? Yeah, we got our church back on July first, which is our uh, it's Canada Day. <laughs> so that's uh, so we got it back then, and and our we were open our our province open at that point in time with no restrictions until uh, September of 2021 when the third declared public health emergency took place. And we were at that point anticipating whether round two would take place with the governing authorities, but they opted to leave us alone because I think they determined they didn't want the battle. Okay. Uh, check your video. Just lost your video. Um, so here's, here's an interesting thing, by the way. In, in, in the book, uh, there's a lot of your internal communications as well as your public statements. Um, I know that the news media kind of painted you guys as religious wingnuts looking for attention who didn't care anything about the health of the people in the community or even in your own church but when i'm reading your own sort of internal discussions and debates i get i get just the opposite um one what what were you struggling with at the time and two why didn't you just comply well, we couldn't comply because to do that, in our estimation, would have been to disobey Christ. This in, was one of those. In what way? Well, 
we'd be so christ is the head of his church that means he's the authority over the church in his word he dictates to the church how we're to worship the terms of worship the essential elements of worship the government was now reaching inside the walls of the church and trumping scripture mm. they were now saying no you're the word of god no longer has validity there's a health emergency and so now this is our jurisdiction and so we're going to tell you when to worship how to worship what what elements of worship can be in place and that includes singing they were saying we couldn't sing mm-hmm. i mean they were saying you are not allowed to sing that is a high risk activity <laughs> and uh in fact even when we gave an, a standing ovation to uh the the rcmp uh the the ahs officer recorded that there was some cheering that had taken place and she noted that as a high risk activity oh wow so so this was to, to let the governing authorities dictate to us the terms of worship was essentially putting them in the place that only Christ holds. And we just couldn't do that. So, you know, in our case, we were just trying to be obedient to Christ. So, so the, the fight came to us and the governing authorities wanted to make us an example. And, and because we stood tall, both in our preaching and in our, our refusal to, to, to close our doors, even though we did that graciously and respectfully, uh, they wanted to bring us into submission. So they used every avenue they could, including the media, to bring us into submission. And we just graciously but courageously would not comply with that. And it backfired on them because they never saw it coming. They never they never calculated the possibility that I would refuse to sign my condition and remain in jail. And that was a political nightmare for them. I didn't do it out of a, a political motivation. And I didn't, even con- I didn't consider myself a political prisoner I was there for theological reasons. To sign that condition was again to sign over the headship of Christ over his church. So for me, it was personal in terms of my own personal obedience to Christ. And it was theological as it relates to the authority of Christ over his church. For them, it was a political nightmare. And and it it, it still, even to this day, I think is a, a black eye on the, the present government and the, the current premier of our province. And he's fighting right now for his his leadership life over the party. Yeah. <laughs> I, spe- I suspect God God will be in place a l- lot longer than he will be. But <laughs> here's an interesting Man. thing I noticed, um, because we did in the U.S., and maybe you had some in, in Canada, we did have some church leaders that were defiant and not in a gracious way, as you just said you purposely tried to be. Um, and, and it did seem like they were trying to take the fight to the government, not— just standing on on the ground where God had placed them, um, but you guys, uh, you made a thoughtful uh, and biblical case for your defiance. And by the way, I want to mention you you, you mentioned a couple times the standing ovation you gave the the RCMP. This was during the time of riots and things in cities across North America. Um, you were honoring law enforcement while politicians were, were dishonoring you guys uh that's the way i i saw it is is that i mean w- was that purposeful on your part is, was that kind of the way you were perceiving it at least in hindsight well yeah we knew law enforcement in particular in your country was under a lot of negative pressure and and, and press and so we thought you know the the right thing to do in this case is to ensure the governing authorities recognize that we appreciate what they do mm-hmm. and and recognize that they're in a tough spot with respect to COVID-19 and the 
the political pressure being placed on them to take action that was coming to them from the politicians, from the media, that they needed to act and, and do something in light of the fact that we were breaking the law. And so, um, so yeah, we wanted to honor them and, and respect them. Now that changed for sure when, when I was imprisoned. At that point in time, the standing ovations probably would have ceased <laughs> and they never ended up back in our building for that to even happen. In fact, they tried to get in the first Sunday that I was released. So they, they left us alone for the most part for five weeks while I was in prison. The, the Sunday I'm out, um, they wanted in the building, not the RCMP, but AHS. And the RCMP was going to accompany them in. And, and we had two guys, and there's video of this on YouTube, two guys that kept them out with Section 176 of the Criminal Code of Canada, which makes it uh, a criminal offense to uh, interrupt a service in, in progress. Mm. And so we were able to keep them out. That's probably in some ways what triggered them um, locking up our facility on the, <laughs> the following Wednesday. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, we, we did. We tried to be respectful, gracious, honor them while remaining consistent with our convictions. Yeah. I mean, you, you had established law. I read that, by the way, in your book. You had established law on your side. It was this temporary emergency stuff that was, was coming at you and getting you. What was the attitude of the um, police and or the uh, health officials that were coming in? Because when I read some of the accounts, it seemed like some of them weren't really excited to be enforcing those law, those health emergency laws. It varied. I mean, we interacted with two AHS officials and I didn't really get the sense that they were loathing being there. Um, you know, I think to do that job, you've got to be a bit of a bully. And so, um, so I think in a sense, you had a bit of a, a, bu a bully mentality, even though that wasn't, that wasn't obvious on the outward. I mean, some of the interaction that we had with the one AHS official was very cordial and even humorous. I, I said uh, to her at one point in time, you know, if you keep this up, we're going to have to give you a, uh, an application for membership. And, uh, and, and, you know, we chuckled a little bit, but, but interestingly enough, when I was in court and I was, you know, in the defense uh, seat and, and, and that of official was on the, the stand and, and testifying against me, uh, she would not look at me. And so um, I think, you know, she was probably impacted ne negatively as well. I mean, yeah. it was what AHS did to her and putting her in that position is disgraceful. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, lots, lots, so many elements. Yeah. And, you know, and I think it's important that we acknowledge the, the human element of it on both sides uh, and the nuances of it. Did any. So it's been I mean, it's, it's been uh, what almost well, a year now. Um, have any of those people come back to you in any capacity? Were did any of them hear the gospel and have their lives changed? What's sort? Where are we now? Well, they've definitely heard the gospel, um, <laughs> but none have come back to you know apologize or anything okay. like that. I mean, there was one officer who was involved in both of my arrests, and I had a good relationship with him, and uh, and he did at one point, I guess, around the day that our church was was seized and locked. Uh, he he had a conversation with a gentleman in our church about whether you know I would want to talk to him and and our our guy said yeah he would he'd be happy to talk to you and uh, and he ended up hedging on it he just felt uncomfortable about it so I think uh, I think it impacted him uh, he 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 expressed a story apparently 
to uh, to the same gentleman that he expressed to his wife, this RCMP officer talking to his wife, saying, if there's a God, I've got a lot to give an account for. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, I think he was impacted for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but at this point in time, we haven't seen really anyone come out and begin to apologize from the, the government side of things. Interesting. All right. Where, so where are we now? Where, where is the church now? You know, what, are you on probation? What's what's sort of your status going forward? Yeah, in my case, I'm fortunate. I don't have a lot going on. I mean, there there's a court summons that could result in a hefty fine, maybe upwards of thirty to fifty thousand dollars. We're not too concerned about that. There's a there's a ticket that's against me for twelve hundred dollars, which is more symbolic than anything else because it just revolves around me contesting the constitutionality mm-hmm. of the public health orders themselves. So that still has to kind of unfold, but we haven't gotten any help from our court system. So I'm not expecting anything positive to come from that. Uh, our court system has failed us. Our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which begins by acknowledging the supremacy of God, is just an inconvenience to both our politicians and our court system. And so unlike what you've seen in your country, we have not gotten any assistance from our, our judicial system. Hmm. All right, we're talking to Pastor James Coates, uh, and he talks in detail, and you can read, uh, again, I I found very interesting the internal communications, uh, the emails, the public statements, uh, because they showed that that you weren't weren't like angry going after the government or indifferent to the, I mean, you, you lost people in your church. You were trying to obey God in all circumstances, and frankly, in very difficult circumstances and those are all right there in god versus government as well as the accounts of what was going on in california uh with uh, nathan Businich, who is out at uh, john MacArthur's church very interesting uh i mean events yes but also on a on a bigger scale um when we talk about civil disobedience i mean you've <laughs> this is not theory for you you've had to live it um, what, what do you think the average person in the U S Canada, maybe even Australia, which has been even more strident in their, in their COVID restrictions and response? Um, what do we, what do we need to know when it comes to dealing with a government honoring, you know, obeying the government on one hand and obeying God. And when they're at odds, how do, how do we navigate it? What's your view? Well, we've got to have a very clear understanding from the word of God, what government is and what its purpose is. And I think that's evident at this point in time, the church lacks that. And so the church seems to have a more totalitarian view of government where government is the top dog. It's the authority above all other authorities. And as long as it doesn't infringe on the proclamation of the gospel, the government is free to do whatever it wants. That's not what the Bible teaches about the government, even Romans 13 itself demonstrates that all authority is from God. And if it is, it's delegated. And if it's delegated, it's delegated for a purpose and purpose sets limits on the use, the right use of that authority. And so the government is in place fundamentally and primarily to punish evil and, and to praise those who do good. Hmm. And, and, and good and evil are, are, are as God defines it. So the government doesn't have the liberty to define good and evil in accord with its whims or the whims of the culture 
know, God's word sets that and the governing authorities are going to give, they're going to give an account. I mean, they've been given this authority by God. They're going to give an account for their use of authority. So, so they're accountable to God. Even Romans 13 describes them as a deacon of God, a servant of God. So this is God's institution. It has a particular purpose. That purpose limits its authority. And, and, and now you have also other spheres of authority. You've got the home. That's a sphere of authority. You've got the church. That's a sphere of authority. And there's overlap in these spheres. There's no question, but there's also lines of demarcation and distinction. Mm-hmm. And, and so there are certain things the government can't say. The government can't tell you how to raise your children. The, mm. the government can't dictate to the church the terms of worship. And, and, and there's limits on church authority. I mean, uh, a leadership in a local church can't tell you where to live or, or what car to drive or, you know, and, and, and vice versa. So there are, there are limits on these spheres of authority. They have set jurisdictions. The word of God defines that instructs how those authorities are to be carried out. And so we've got to have a clear understanding of the purpose of government when we have that in place and we, we rightly understand the, 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 the word of God and what it calls us to as Christians then we're going to know when it's time to obey God and not men. There's a, okay. There's a lot there <laughs> and, and that's good. I, I like, I like your clarity there. What we're seeing right now, uh, both in the U S and Canada is a fight, not so much about COVID, but a fight about those parental authority rights. Uh, and specifically, you know, you know, the law in Florida where they, they're saying, Hey, we're not going to, talk to kindergarten through third grade about uh, transgenderism even about sexuality we're just going to leave that out that, that we're just which I, baffles my mind that we would have even have to have a bill that says that but they can't say gay bill yeah well yeah so okay so you, that the so-called you'll see the media going the, the so-called don't say gay bill which the word gay is not even in the legislation and it doesn't ban the word gay it it's it's crazy it's crazy we're seeing a a battle between government and God. Uh, it's, it's to me, it's shifted a little, a lot away from COVID, and now it's it's for parenting. It's in the home, uh, and I think the principles in God versus government that you guys lay out uh, are going to be very relevant very soon, uh, if they aren't already for people um, in this battle for the home. Do you do you seeing some of that same battle too? Yeah, absolutely. And that battle has been on for a while. Nathan Buznitz, my co-author, I mean, he has well said that COVID-19 is a dress rehearsal, was the dress rehearsal for, for the church and certainly for the home and everything else. And so this is just the tip of the iceberg, COVID-19. This was a test run because the government sought to use an excuse like health yeah. to see if that could, could be a, a means by which they could exercise greater control over society and, and society in large part complied. And the church, in large part, complied. Uh, some didn't, and then praise the Lord for them. So yeah, as it relates to the home, this is going to be the battle. The state believes it owns the children. Yeah, and that's part of a totalitarian view of government. And so, so they believe they own the children, and to get to the children, they've got to indoctrinate them. So, so they've got to indoctrinate them with their ideology, so that when they turn, you know, old enough to vote, they're going to be voting all of the totalitarian you know, ideological ideas into, uh, into reality. So, so when a, when a bill like that in Florida comes, comes, comes out, uh, that you're now infringing on their ability to get to the children. And then if that ends up being a ripple effect throughout the country, where all of these states begin to limit 
something as basic as, you know, I don't want a teacher. I mean, we, we homeschool, so that's, you know, right. there, there's that, but, but I don't want a teacher having a conversation with my children about, you know, gender and everything else. I mean, what expertise do they have to have those conversations? I mean, they're there to teach math and science and, and, and we don't even know if they can do that at this point in time. So, <laughs> right. so, you know, I think, um, that's the issue that the, the state wants the children. So when, when governor DeSantis puts a, a bill in place that infringes on the, the left wing agenda to, to own the children, I mean, they go, they go crazy. Yeah. You know, uh, when I, when I grew up, if an adult talked to a, a third grader about their sexuality in a public park, he got arrested. Uh, and now we want to do it in the schools. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Um, here's, here's a tough question for you, uh, because I know that you guys obviously never, chose to and probably didn't feel like you ever had to to be uh violent in any capacity uh does violence is violence ever justified when the state is overstepping its bounds well so we gotta get a little bit granular there not for the church i mean violence in the face of persecution is never an appropriate response uh by the church and Jesus is the model, you know, he, 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 um, though being reviled did not revile in return. So, so we got to get a little bit granular here as it relates to the church. Violence is never an appropriate response to persecution. Um, as it relates to civilians in a country where the governing authorities are effectively going to war with its civilians. I mean, you know that that's going to be up to each civilian at that point in time to determine it we we, we recognize that there is a time and a place for war uh, i'm not sure if the whole thing going on in ukraine would warrant that but but there are times and, and places for wars to take place and uh and 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 there are times i guess throughout history where there have been wars between a government and its civilians so it's it's difficult i, I i'm not prepared at this point in time to you know put my stamp of approval on going to war with your government but you know in theory you know there could come a point when you have to defend yourself or or whatever the case is and and that's a different issue though because now you're a civilian relating to the, your civil government you're not a christian uh being persecuted for your faith okay interesting distinction what did you mean by the ukraine comment uh, in other words people in ukraine certainly would have the right to defend themselves against an aggressive oh Russia. yeah yeah yeah, I mean, well, so the issue, if you if this you thing in Ukraine becomes World War Three, right. for example, uh, I'm not sure that that is is uh, warranted. If we look back at World War Two and and what Hitler was attempting to do in the world, I think that reached the threshold of warranting a, a world war. Um, what's happening in Ukraine at this point in time with Russia, uh, I'm not sure if, if that would would actually reach the threshold of warranting a world war at this point. Okay. Okay. What, what about, uh, and I know I'm, this is, these are tough ones and I appreciate you playing ball with me here because these are the things that I, I, I think about if the government said, um, teaching the Bible in your home is hate speech, which they've said that in cases in, in, in essence, if not outright, but, uh, and, and therefore we're going to come take your children from you for teaching them that homosexuality is wrong. Um, I, my kids are all adults now, but I know my, my fleshly instinct is over my dead body, buddy. You're not taking my kids, right? Um, 
theoretically, what what should a Christian do? Is there any any single answer, or is it just circumstance you know, at a time? But, I mean, I, w- I would want to defend my home if someone was coming to take my children. Well, and as a husband, you have that responsibility, for sure. And as a father, you have a responsibility to protect your children. So, you know, what that protection is going to look like in that moment can be a variety of different things. I mean, you can get out of Dodge. Um, you can, you can you know, hide your children. There's, there's various things you can do. But, but I think the instinct of over my dead body is, is uh, so long as it's tempered and, and everything else is, is appropriate because you have a responsibility to protect your children. And, uh, and so, you know, again, I'm not ready at this point in time to, you know, say that it's at that point that it's time to bring out your firearms. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly sympathetic to the, um, all that you would feel in that moment as you right. seek to protect your children and they are, they are there to harm them. Yeah. I, I hope my guns are never used for anything more than target practice, honestly, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, uh, be prepared, watch and pray. Right. Um, I'm going to start sounding like some kind of right wing nut if I'm not careful. Um, <laughs> bottom line, this for us, uh, in based on your experience and what you guys, I mean, why'd you guys put this into a book? Uh, what, what are you trying to, uh, get people to, to see perhaps, uh, through God and government, God versus government? Well, gospel courage. We, we want, we realize that hostility toward Christ and his church they're both increasing here in our part of the world. And so the church needs to be strengthened to be able to, to, to ward off and stand in the face of that hostility. So, so we want to equip the church with the theology to be able to, to recognize when civil disobedience is demanded and the stories of both Grace Community Church and their standing, their conviction and our story provide wonderful illustrations of what it looks like to do that and mm-hmm. to do that graciously but courageously. So we want to equip the church for what's to come. We we again see COVID-19 as just the dress rehearsal. And and so there's more coming. And and we need to make sure the church is ready as these situations arise. And as they do, they provide wonderful opportunities for the proclamation of the gospel as the world presses in on the church and the church says no and is immovable. That's going to result in opportunities to proclaim the gospel, call people to repentance, declare that Jesus is Lord. And so these are critical opportunities, even in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And so we need to be strong. We need to to be resolved. We need to be uh, men and women of courage, conviction. And that's what this book is intended to do. Love it. Pastor James Coates, I appreciate your stand. I appreciate your courage. Uh, I don't you know, hope hope I would have the same courage in, in the situation that you were in, uh, and hope I'm never in it at the same time, mm. right? No, but I appreciate you. I want to show people the website. This is GraceLife.ca, uh, and you can if certainly if you're up in the Edmonton area uh, and you're looking for a church, there you go. Uh, if you're not up there, you can uh, check out their uh, sermons online as well as you guys have a YouTube channel where your sermons are posted. Correct. Yeah, Grace Life Edmonton, our YouTube channel. You can see all our sermons there. Excellent. Um, and uh, certainly check out the book. It is available as of March 1st, I believe, was the drop date. So great read. Very fascinating read uh, just from the the recent history that's in there. Uh, but then some of the principles principles that we touched on uh, are very important. And so it, this, if Pastor Coates is correct, and I have no reason to doubt him, 
COVID was a dress rehearsal for what's coming, U.S. and Canada, and certainly we're, like I said, we're seeing in Australia and parts of the U.K. or, um, or parts of Europe. These are things we need to think about, we need to confront, we need to confront biblically and be prepared ahead of time. So again, Pastor Coates, thank you for your time. Appreciate you being here on Life Today Live. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Appreciate all you guys watching. Hit share, hit like, hit follow, and check out this book right here, God versus Government. We'll see you next time here on Life Today Live. This is your hour, angry mob. But enjoy it. Squeeze all the fun you can out of it. This is your hour. This is your hour. Because it's soon going to end. And truth will be on the throne for a day. Sunday is coming.